I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to the Game Changers podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Game Changers. I talk a lot to my students and my clients about how important visibility is. You know, when you are starting a business, a big part of the equation is that you need to have people to sell to. I see so many people who they launch their business, they launch their website, and maybe they spend months and months creating a product, but then they're so let down when they launch it and nobody buys. But the thing is, they simply just don't have anyone to sell to. A big part of what I teach in my programs like Simply Business is building an audience of people who know, like, and trust you and selling them solutions to their problems. Building an audience being the start and selling solutions being the second. So this podcast episode, I really, really, really loved because I got to sit down with one of my incredible clients and speak all about pitching. Pitching, whether it be to traditional media, whether it be for collaborations, whether it be to interview people or to get yourself interviewed is such a crucial skill to increase your visibility as an entrepreneur. Olivia is a fashion photographer and she also teaches other photographers how to get clients, how to build their businesses, specifically using the skill of pitching. But in this episode, we sat down and we spoke all about tips for pitching, as well as dug into other topics such as growing your Instagram and how to find your vibe on Instagram and mental health as an entrepreneur. So I loved this chat so much. I know that you're going to love it too. Please, like always, I do request that you reach out to myself, reach out to Olivia and let us know if you are listening to this episode, maybe take a little screenshot and share it on your stories, tagging us both. Her links will be in the description below. I really, really love to know when you're listening to the episodes because it really just allows me to feel more connected with these podcasts because of course there's no comments which I really love I love to chat to you so that is the next best thing you're sharing on Instagram so anyway I'm gonna stop rambling I hope you enjoy the episode I appreciate your time let's jump in Welcome back to another episode of Game Changers. I am so, so grateful that you are here. I'm so grateful that you are spending time with not only me, but the amazing Olivia. Olivia, welcome (laughs) to the show. Thank you for having me. I always feel like I sound like a bit of a game show host. Then I'm like, welcome to the show. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. (laughs) I just get really excited. I start every podcast episode going, I'm so excited. So I do too. (laughs) (laughs) But I am genuinely really excited. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so, so, so excited to sit down and chat. I was just explaining to Olivia before we started recording that I've actually never had a photographer on the podcast, let alone one that has such a gorgeous style I'm obsessed with. I can't wait to (laughs) tuck into all of the amazing stuff that you do and how you help Mm -hmm. people because not only are you a photographer, but obviously you also help fashion photographers get their clients, get first clients, you know, grow their businesses and Mm -hmm. the stuff that you teach can be really universal to really anyone who is trying to get more visibility because that's the key, right? Mm -hmm. So classic question, if it's okay, just so for those who haven't met you yet, um, maybe just walk us through your story, your journey. Like how did you end up doing photography and (laughs) how did you kind of shift into teaching as well? Um, so I started when I was 15, I 
had always wanted to do something creative and particularly in fashion. But until then, I didn't really know what that would look like. I wasn't very good at drawing and I wasn't very good at like writing. So I didn't think I could go down the journalism route, but I loved magazines. And I, when I discovered Flickr, the website Flickr, when I was like 15, there was loads of kids essentially my age who were also on that website and sharing their photos they were doing. And I was like, oh my God, people my age are doing that. So I became obsessed and I stole my parents like DSLR that they had lying around the house. And um, I started just learning everything there was to know about photography um, until I graduated. And then I went and did it at university. So I studied a degree in fashion photography. And then um, I finished that about six years ago and I've been full time as a fashion photographer for the last four years. Um, and I also now teach other fashion photographers how to particularly get their clients and the business side of things. There's a lot of photographers who teach the technical side of photography and like how to take a good picture, but I've always been more interested in the business side of things. So, and that's the lesser thing that people don't talk about so much online. Like it's, it's definitely a very particular industry, specifically the fashion photography industry has a lot of like particularities that are not known about in other industries. So I want to help people who want to get into fashion photography, get into it. That's so amazing because I feel like, you know, growing up specifically and studying business and I actually did fashion at school. And when I say fashion, I mean like how to sew, but Mm -hmm. you know, you always hear these things that the fashion industry is so hard to get into, you know, it's so oversaturated. Obviously it's a really popular industry. And I Mm -hmm. love that you have niche down specifically to show people that whilst yes, it may be the case that the fashion industry is popular. It's absolutely Mm -hmm. not impossible and people still can sign clients. Yeah, hundred percent. Like anyone can do it. And I, until two months ago, I lived five hours away from London in the very, very remote part of the UK um, in Cornwall, if anyone knows where that is. And I was really, really far away from the, the main industry and I was still able to make it work through a lot of like clever thinking and putting myself out there and a lot of pitching. Um, but it is totally possible to, to do to be a successful fashion photographer, especially in this day and age with we've got the internet basically makes it all possible. So anyone can do it if they want to. It's just about pushing through and being resilient and just not giving up basically. Yeah. I was going to say, what do you think? Cause I think this is such a good lesson because I think just as much as you hear the fashion industry saturated, now we're hearing that about the online space. You know, a lot of the mm. audience listening to this want to be coaches. They want to be course creators. They want to be content mm. creators. And obviously now that's like the new hot job, right? It really is the thing that everybody, it's like the new entertainment industry, mm-hmm. but a lot of people, they, come to me and they say like, I want to do this, but it's too saturated. You know, there's too Mm. many people doing this. So when you say things like it took a lot of, we'll get into pitching, but when you say things Mm. like it took a lot of like clever thinking, you know, I know you mentioned a few mindset. Why is it that you think you have had so much success? Like what are some of the things specifically that you did maybe to either believe in yourself more or to differentiate yourself? Like, how did you go about that? I'm not sure like it's it's really hard when you look at yourself and try and think about like the ways that you've done it and I think that for me it's just pure there's nothing else I I want to do or can do it's almost like I have to do this and I've tried going down other avenues so I started off when I finished uni because I was living in Cornwall I thought okay I have to be a wedding photographer because there's not there's no industry down there but when I started doing that the first wedding I did I hated it and it was something inside me that was screaming so loudly that I had to do what I wanted to do, which was fashion, that there was no other way. Um, and I think if, it, of course, there are a lot of voices in your head that say to you like, oh, you know, it's, it's impossible. Stop trying. Do the thing you have to do to make the money. Do the thing that you're not, you know, people are telling you it's impossible to do this. I think it's just about ignoring those voices and, and being really, really steadfast in what it is you want. A lot of journaling, a lot of writing down, you know, what my dreams truly are, reading a lot of books. I read so many books about mindset, about, you know, um, business, 
about not just photography. I think a lot of photographers in particular, or like this, I think this is true about any industry. We tend to look to people who are also in our industry yeah. as places we can get uh, inspiration from. And I've always made a point of looking outside of my industry to get ideas. And that's really served me. So looking beyond your little bubble and see what other people are doing has really, really served me to push through any boundaries and hear how other people are feeling inspired and motivated to just keep going is one of the biggest takeaways I think I've had so far. I love that so much. I love that you said that as well, because that's funnily enough, something that I've also done myself a lot. I talk, Mm. you know, often about how a big part of my inspiration is going on YouTube and just searching like Dolly Parton interview, like shares, biggest struggles, like all of this. And I think, look, you're so right. Like looking outside of your industry is such a great alternate way to get inspired and realize as well that everybody goes through these mindset things. It's just some people, like you said, ignore them and some people listen to them and it's as simple Mm. as that, right? Yeah, totally. You said that you dug into a lot of books and you love reading. What are your like top books for self-belief in particular? Oh my God. Um, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway is probably the best book. It's a classic and like it's there's a reason it's a classic. It's really, really good. Um, I'm trying to think. Daring Greatly by Brene Brown is another really, really good one about just being vulnerable and just going for it. Um, how to Win Friends and Influence People is by Dale Carnegie is a really, really good one. It's just about like, you know, how to interact with others and to be liked essentially. Yeah. And that was a really, really good one. Um, and then I've read a lot of money mindset books, which have really helped me. And um, You Are a Badass and You Are a Badass at Making Money are both great books. Such good books. I listened to them as well. And they're like read by Jen Sincero herself. And she's so sassy. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing in particular I want to speak to you about is pitching. Because obviously you are the queen of pitching. You know, we've just discussed <laughs> that you teach people how to really get their foot in the door of a, you know, quite popular industry. And one of the ways in which you do that is through pitching. Mm-hmm. I talk a lot about how visibility is so, so, so important. You know, anyone who's met me, anyone who knows me knows that I'm all about building an audience and sell them something that they need. But a part mm-hmm. of building an audience in today's sort of digital age is obviously visibility and visibility Mm -hmm. can come in so many different forms, you know, through more traditional media, through collaborations, through Mm -hmm. podcast interviews, like we are doing right now, but obviously that involves pitching yourself. So maybe talk us through your kind of, why is pitching such a great tool to use for those who are in the fashion industry, photography, but just entrepreneurs in general? So particularly when it comes to industries that are more corporate, so the fashion industry is a particularly corporate industry, um, especially if you want to work with big brands, you know, the people who are working for those big brands are in offices most of the time, and you can't market yourself to them in the traditional business to consumer way, like, you know, with Facebook ads. I mean, you can try, but it's definitely not the way that I would recommend. Yeah. Um, so when I started out as a fashion photographer and I was living in Cornwall, I was really not able to attend like networking events, which are the, the thing that most people do. And I wasn't able to go to meetings for people or go to any, like there are all these portfolio review events where you know editors of big magazines can go. So I was like, well, how on earth am I gonna reach these people? And the best way to reach people is to literally just email them. And I stumbled on that completely by chance. I had an email address I was given of a brand I really loved completely as a fluke. And one day I had an idea for a shoot. So I sent them an email with this idea and said, if you send me some clothes, I will send you some photos in exchange and you can use them on social media. And I never expected a reply, but within five minutes they said yes. So yeah, it was mental. And I, that completely changed my life because it was like a light bulb moment of, Oh my God, if I want something, all I have to do is ask. Yes. And that's really, it's key to everyone because if we don't ask, we're never going to get anything. And the resistance that always comes up is what if they say no, but I always counter that with what if they say yes. Mm -hmm. So when you start thinking about things in that way, everything suddenly seems more possible. 
like all those dreams that you have of working with Chanel or working with whatever brand you want to work with or whoever you want to work with if they're an individual if you want to go on someone's podcast all you have to do is ask Mm -hmm. and I think that is the biggest thing I've learned for sure I love that philosophy as well, because I think I'm likening that to sales. You know, a lot of people Mm. have trouble with selling, but really selling is just pitching, pitching to your audience essentially versus pitching to say someone you want to collaborate with. And the reality is all you have to do is ask, ask them to come join your program, your course, Mm -hmm. your whatever. And like you just said, I love what you said, like, what if they say no, but What if they do say yes? What if they say yes and you make money and get a client? But okay, so maybe not on the selling side of things, but on the pitching side of things in particular, because I love, you know, obviously I know a lot of people in this audience, it would serve them well to pitch themselves for podcasts, Mm -hmm. even more traditional, like you said, corporate opportunities, like media features, you know, a lot of people who get featured in entrepreneur.com or mindbodygreen or something. So how does one actually go about pitching? Like, what does the process look like? It doesn't have to be as long-winded as you think. Yeah. If in, people always, the biggest like block they come across is how do I find their contact details? Yeah. And it's honestly so much easier than you think. LinkedIn has basically anyone who works in any business's details on there. You can look up any company and they will have linked in their like company page on LinkedIn, everyone who works for them most of the time. So that is literally how I found 90% of the people I've emailed over the years. I literally just go on LinkedIn. I look up a company I want to work for and then look up the people who work there. And you'd want to target people who are in, who are going to be working in the positions that you want to be working for. So for me, it tends to be the photo editors or the marketing department people. If you want to get in touch with writers, you know, to pitch a particular story, like maybe you want to write an editorial article about something you've gone through or an experience you've had or some knowledge you have, it would be finding the particular editor for that publication or that media company and pitching the idea straight to them. When it comes to the emails, you always want to address someone by their first name. If you can avoid emailing the sort of generic email at like info at emails, you're going to be so much better off. It's really worth spending the time looking for that person to email and you'll get much more results from that. Keep the emails as short as possible, sort of like two to three paragraphs. You always want to include like a really short introduction to who you are, your name, where you live, what you do. If you've worked for any previous brands or had any previous collaborations that have been, you know, exciting, definitely mention those. But if you haven't, don't worry about it too much. The main thing that people will be looking for is the value and what you can bring them. And that is the really key thing. You don't want to make this email about you. You want to make the email about what you can do for them. And that's really, really important. So always flip it around in in sort of, we all want these things for ourselves. Of course we do. We wouldn't be emailing if we didn't, but you always have to put yourself in the shoes of the person receiving the email. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever received an email from someone being like, hi, please hire me because I'm really good. And every day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, you just go, why, why should I hire you? Who are you to like, want to be (laughs) like, why? But if someone emails you and says, hi, you know, I really love what you do. Um, I think I could really help you with this particular area because I can see that it would bring this for you and you know, make it about the person you're emailing and you will get a million times more replies and more responses than you ever would otherwise. And then the, sorry, go ahead. I was just laughing in my head then because as you were talking, I literally received an email. No, not even an email. It was an inbox DM today, which read, hi, Eric. I love your show, The Game Changers. I really think that your audience would benefit from, you know, having a chat about fintech or something like this. And I was like, Mm. okay, you don't know my name. You've never listened to my podcast. I've never, I've had one guy on this podcast, like guys are great, but this is a female podcast. I'm highlighting Mm. women here. Like, uh, so what you're saying is like, it's, there's nothing more frustrating than receiving that. It's honestly really offensive to be honest. Yeah. So, you know, do your research, know who you're emailing, make it worth their while to read your email and you will be successful a million times over. That being said, 
I would, I would urge you to email more people than you think. I speak to a lot of photographers, obviously in particular, who email like 10 people and then get frustrated that they never get a reply. And then they never try again because they didn't hear a response from 10 people. There are a million reasons why someone might not reply to you. It hasn't, and they could have absolutely nothing to do with your pitch email. They may have not seen it. They may have been off work. If you've gotten out of office, try again in a week. Um, all these things that come into play, maybe your email got buried. Maybe it accidentally went into spam. Maybe they accidentally email, like deleted it while they were walking through the street. Like there are a million reasons why. So always try again. And the really, really important part of all this is to follow up. If you don't hear back within a week, absolutely make sure you follow up with someone because that is where you get the golden responses because people see that you're actually interested and you're actually serious and you're taking the time to really, really get in with them and want and show that you really want it. Yeah. I think I like personally, I do have in one of my programs, you know, obviously not to the detail that you teach it, but just the suggestion that people should pitch, it's literally just a suggestion. Um, (laughs) But when I teach that in my program, you know, people often come to me with the objection that they have the fear of rejection. You know, mm-hmm. that stops a lot of people from pitching themselves, specifically if we switch it to like social media pitching, you know, trying to go into someone's DMs and pitching for like, say, a podcast, that dreaded fear of being left on red or, you know, mm. the fear of quote unquote rejection. Like how do you teach your audience to handle that? Cause that's a very real thing in pitching, right? You will get rejected surely. Of course you will. And it is really hard. And you know, there, there isn't an easy answer for this. This is one of the things that everyone struggles with. And I've struggled with myself. You will definitely have days where you get something back from someone or they just say, thank you, but no thank you. And that can feel really difficult. I'm constantly pitching people and you even, I teach this stuff and I'm really good at this. And I also don't hear back from like 75% of the people I email. It's just reality. And a little part of it is just building up the resilience to be able to take it. And it does get easier with time. There is just an element of having the balls to just keep going, keep picking yourself up and keep trying because the yeses make the noes so, so, so worth it. And beyond all these noes, there will be yeses. You just have to keep trying and pushing for them. Like I said earlier, you know, the worst case scenario we can think of is you trying all these things, you pitching yourself and like emailing a hundred people and no one replying, never getting booked, but that doesn't happen. Like I've never heard of a single person who's pitched themselves a hundred times and not had a response. Something there can only be a benefit from doing it. No negatives. And if anyone's worried about like getting a nasty reply, that doesn't happen. Like it's so, so, so rare for anyone to ever reply and say, who are you emailing me? Like, why are you emailing me? It doesn't happen. People are really nice. Like 99% of the population of the world are nice people who understand that you're emailing them. Also, people are expecting you to email them most of the time, especially if they're in media or they run some kind of business. They are going to be used to getting ideas for things and they want them. I can guarantee you that writers for magazines want you to pitch their ideas to them because they are running out of ideas themselves. It's really hard for them to constantly generate ideas and come up with things and come up with podcast guest ideas. So if you think you're going to be a good guest for someone, you would be almost doing them a disservice by not reaching out to them because they might really need you and want you and you could, you'd never know what could come out of it. So if the fear of rejection is what's stopping you getting in the, in the way of yourself, please just think about all those things and just keep pushing through it. Reach out for help, you know, make a little support group with some friends who are also doing this and just help one another so that when you do get an email back from someone saying thank you, but no thank you, or you send out 10 emails that day and you're just feeling really low because it's the time of the month and you're feeling crappy and you haven't had anyone get back to you, just reach out to your friend and say like, this is really hard sometimes and talk about it because it's true, it is really hard. And I reach out to my friends and say, it's really hard but they just, they'll support you to keep going. Yeah. And I love that you said like, 
it's so rare that anyone's ever going to respond to you. Cause I think that's the big thing as well. Someone's going to bite your head off for, you know, jumping into their inbox or jumping into their DMS. But, mm. you know, even with that example that I gave before, I just deleted the email. I'm, I mean, deleted the yeah. message. I'm not going to turn back and be like, what? Like, who are you? Except one time when someone pitched to me and it said, it looks like your business isn't doing very well. Let me teach <sighs> you how to sell more. And I was like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. So, don't offend people as well, maybe. No. <laughs> um, but, but like looking at everything you do, so running photography shoots, obviously you teach your students all about pitching. Mm-hmm. I look at you to be someone who's quite confident and obviously pitching requires, as we've just mentioned, like it does require a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. What would you say for those who are maybe just getting into business, trying to build their visibility, trying to, you know, even little things. I know I saw you did a little Instagram live once about like, putting your face on camera, like what are your top building confidence tips? I know it's, there's so, so <laughs> many, but for someone who is just getting into putting themselves out there, cause that's what I think mm. I see you do a lot. I see you put yourself out there a lot. How does someone build their confidence? I think it's baby steps, taking one step, 1% towards that thing every single day, you know, with the whole talking to camera thing on Instagram, for example, that is literally just about being really brave and just one day saying, okay, one, two, three, four, five, I'm going to do it now. And just getting your phone out, doing one story and then putting your phone away for a couple of hours and not checking it and not looking at how it's performing or anything like that. And just and feeling that, you know, you didn't die when you did it. That's the thing. Like our brains are always, because it's out of our comfort zone, our brain thinks it's going to kill us, literally. Like our brain doesn't know the difference between something that's just scary and something like a tiger that's actually running towards us. So we have to like show our brains that we don't, we don't die when we do things that are a little bit scary. So like going back to feel the fear and do it anyway, just try that one thing one day, just set yourself a tiny little goal, one little thing, go out and do it, see how it feels, prove to yourself that you didn't die. And then the next day or a few days later, build up that courage a little bit more, try it one more time. And the more you do it, the easier it gets, the more you realize that you don't die when you do it. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And that really is like so powerful taking little baby steps because I think then also it turns around six months later, a year later, and you realize how far you've actually come. And that Mm. even in and of itself builds your confidence, right? Totally. Yeah. Looking at being able to look back at how far you've come. And that's a really important thing to do, by the way, is to just take a minute, look back three years ago and see how far you've come from that since then. And that will help your confidence a lot. What? Okay. This wasn't planned at all, but just as you were talking then, I want to ask you like, what looking back at your time, are you most proud of? Oh my goodness. Um, in respect to business. (laughs) In respect to business. Um, what am I most proud of going back into it? So I basically, after I finished uni, I kind of quit photography for two years because I was so burnt out from uni and I just didn't really enjoy it. And I one day just got this wave of inspiration back over me about two years after finishing and decided I was going to get back into it. And that I could have just been like, oh no, I quit. So I have to quit now and I have to stick to that decision and everyone will judge me if I go back into it and change my mind. So I think I'm, yeah, most proud of the fact that I was able to change my mind. I love that so much. That's something that I am so obsessed with as well, because that does stop a lot of people from taking action. Like the fear of what if I change my mind? Mm -hmm. What if I try something and I don't like it? Or what if I quit something and then I want to go back to it? Like the fear of, I guess it's the fear of judgment, right? But so many people are afraid of making decisions because what if it's not the right one? Yeah. I've changed my mind a million times. Like I spent, after I picked up that camera again, when I, when I, what Jessica meant, like I mentioned, I decided I was going to be a wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. So I just spent a year and a half marketing myself as a wedding photographer, building up a wedding photography business only to shoot my first wedding and hate it. <laughs> so I <laughs> had to completely change my mind again. Yeah. But you and would have never known that you hated it if you didn't try it, right? No, exactly. So it's all about trying, pivoting a little bit, trying again, pivoting a little bit more. And, you know, if I change my mind in five years time that I don't want to do this anymore, that's, that's fine. I'm always in tune with what I want to do. And 
I trust that I will always find a way to make it work in the future or like find a different path or make that path work. That's so inspiring. So inspiring. And I love that you said the word <laughs> trust as well, because that's such a big part of it. Like so many people just yeah. don't trust that it's possible for mm-hmm. them. And so then for they don't make those decisions and they don't take action. I know this mm-hmm. might be a difficult question to answer because I don't even think I'd be able to answer it myself, but I guess it's the same as confidence. Like, do you know where that trust, that self-trust comes from? Like, is it something that you've always had or is it something that you had to develop? Um, I think it's something I've always had. I do think it comes from my upbringing and having the privilege of having very supportive parents who always encouraged me to do whatever I wanted, who never questioned, you know, or forced me to go down a route that I didn't want to. I've always felt like I was able to do whatever I want to do. And that's extremely fortunate. And I'm aware that I'm in a very fortunate position to, to have had that experience, but it is just like tuning into myself a lot, a lot of in inner work a lot of spending time with myself I'm quite a I'm a bit of a loner I like being on my own I go on a lot of walks and I think a lot and just spending a lot of time listening to my thoughts can be exhausting but can also be very helpful to know what I want and sometimes you know when you hear a voice it's like telling you to do something that you don't really want to do but you know it's what you've got to do that can be really hard But again, it just comes back to trusting that what you're being driven to do is the right thing. So powerful. And then I think that's such a good lesson too. I was going to ask you like, what are those personal practices that you do? I know you mentioned journaling before, but I love that you just said now, like going on those walks and really listening to your thoughts and connecting inwards. Cause it, I think it is so common these days for us not to be able to tune into our intuition. Cause we're so inundated with social media and obviously mm-hmm. friends, family, you know, people's other opinions of how our life should look. And it's really hard to trust any voices because, you know, people ask, is it even my own? But I think you can, yeah. And absolutely get to a point where you can distinguish between influence and intuition definitely like I've had a lot of therapy I'm quite an anxious person and I went through a period of quite bad mental health a few years ago and going to therapy has absolutely helped that mm-hmm. I if you speak to me anyone who knows me personally knows that I think everyone should have therapy because we all need to connect with those voices in our head and really distinguish what's real and what's not but then, you know, in terms of other things, like we, like I mentioned, walking, I don't journal as much as I used to these days because I spent, I have a dog who's very active, who needs a lot of walking. So he and I just go on a lot of walks together. And if I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm just in my own head, really just tuning in and trying to distinguish what it is I want and what I want to do. What do you do when, so I think it's pretty common for all human beings to have negative thoughts pop into their head. You know, you may be out on a walk Mm or I do a lot of my thinking in the shower. Um, But Mm -hmm. for anyone who is really trying to develop the practice of connecting with their thoughts, I think it's also common that, you know, not all of them are going to be positive. What Mm -hmm. do you do in those moments when those negative thoughts do seep in? Listen to them, hear them, um, and recognize whether they're true or not. You know, that is difficult, but if it means speaking to a friend, I speak to my mom a heck of a lot about things. I speak to my dog, (laughs) like speak to the people who just speak those thoughts and ask yourself if they're true. If they're not true, you can recognize them. And I think asking yourself that question, is this actually true or is this just something I'm, that's just something coming up in my head that's not true. That will really, really help you. Um, and like, I mean, therapy, <laughs> lots of therapy. <laughs> I love that you're saying that. And obviously as we're recording this, we're just coming off the back of world mental health day. Um, and I think that, you know, we are getting way better as a society to talk mm. about mental health, but what is your advice? I, you know, again, this wasn't even the direction that we had planned to go in with this <laughs> podcast, but I love this conversation so much. And I think it is very timely in particular with this year as well, you know, mm. for those who are maybe suffering, cause we've, we've talked about confidence, but from a more mental health perspective or anxiety in particular, I have similarly had a lot of people who've messaged me or wanted to work with me. And a big thing that's stopping them from taking action is their anxiety, you know, is feeling anxious, whether it's, you know, physiologically anxious or a lot of thoughts going through their heads and they 
determined that that is a reason that they it's not the right time to start their business. Like yeah. I haven't had as much experience with this, so I don't really know, but is there any advice that you would give to that person? Um, take time with yourself, be patient with yourself, but don't stop yourself because of the anxiety. I suffered really badly with panic attacks when I was about 20, 21, 22 um, and it was medication and, and, and therapy that really helped me push through that. Um, and then it's come in waves as well. So just being really patient with yourself and not forcing yourself to do things that feel like they're going to induce the anxiety, but also if the anxiety is being caused by you feeling like you're frustrated with yourself for not taking action in the ways that you want to, or because you're feeling stuck in a situation where you are being made anxious by the fact that you're not taking the action, taking small steps, like, like I mentioned earlier, tiny little steps, you know, even if it's just making an Instagram account and then not telling anyone about it, if it's going to help you to just start the Instagram account and really slowly starting to post, maybe, maybe it's just buying a few books and not actually doing anything just yet, but just going out and buying the books or mentioning very in passing to a friend that you have an idea for something that you want to do, but you're finding it too difficult in that moment to do it, that will already start to anchor it and make it more real. If you keep everything that you want to do just in your head and just stuck inside you, it will never be able to come out. And that can be anxiety inducing in itself. So releasing that in a little small way can, I think, really, really help. So powerful. Um, I know I love this conversation so much, but as you were talking then, and as we discussed um, in the beginning, you know, maybe we can start talking about some of those small steps to take mm -hmm. with Instagram, you know, for those who obviously are working through confidence or anxiety, but also just really generally, because one thing I really, really love about you is actually your Instagram. I think it's so <laughs> beautiful. Obviously when I first met you, I was just obsessed. I want a photo shoot when these borders <laughs> open up, but how, like, what, what are your, I guess, top tips from a photographer's perspective about how someone should go about really creating, you know, a nice aesthetically pleasing Instagram? Like how does someone, let's start with this. How does someone find their like Instagram style? Um, this is all about like, so the top tip I give any photographer, and this is relevant to everyone about finding their style. And I learned this from a different photographer. So I don't take credit for like this, this method. She's called Carly Dame. She's also an educator in the photography space and she's fantastic. Um, it's to go on Pinterest and literally just go wild pinning stuff. What well, doesn't have to be to do with your niche or your thing, just go wild pinning anything that you're visually attracted to. And then after about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, however long you feel like, drawn to do it for, go back to that Pinterest board and sort of grab a piece of paper and just write any words that come to mind when you're looking at those images. Is it the colors? Is it the mood? Is it the vibe? Is it the locations? Is it the clothes that are being worn? The, what is it that you keep seeing a recurring theme of? And then you can actually also go through and delete any images that are feeling like they're not quite speaking to you when you look at it as a whole. And then once you've got those words on that paper, those are your like anchor words for your imagery, whether it's for your work as a photographer or for your work as a coach and then you want to have in your images, whatever those may be. And then keeping that somewhere safe where you can constantly re refer to it so that if you're, for example, a lot of um, coaches source imagery from other, from other accounts, or maybe they have the occasional shoot with a photographer, or maybe they're just doing them on their phone, or maybe you're using quotes and stuff. It's taking all those elements and making it into a nice big pot so that whenever you do post on your Instagram account or you have any work on your website or anything, everything ties together because it's all within that sort of bucket of stuff. And it doesn't really matter how you lay out the images. They will always look good together because you're, everything's going to be cohesive and in the little realm of what you've created for yourself. If you stray from that, that's when things will start to look weird. Like if, if everything you do is very coastal vibes and very 
pastel colors and you're always um with a you know white backgrounds and everything very clean and then you suddenly have a black image of you on a black wall it will look really weird and it won't be in keeping with everything a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Yeah, and then, so when a lot of people talk about their Instagram one of the biggest challenges that I know so many people face is getting photos, you know, getting photos mm -hmm. consistently because, you know, the advice is obviously posting as often as you possibly can to really build that audience specifically in the beginning. And for those mm -hmm. who are coaches and personal brands, it's going to involve a lot of photos of themselves. So yeah. what's your tips on like either taking photos of yourself or having someone take photos of you? Like how can someone just collect a big ass, amazing folder of photos of themselves? <laughs> <laughs> so if you can't invest in a photographer, then it's about finding good light. That is always going to be your key. If you want to look best in your selfies or in your pictures, facing windows is the biggest tip I will ever give you. If you can face the window, the light will be coming in. It will make your face look bright and light and you won't have any like creases in your face. It's like everyone feels intimidated by like holes and wrinkles and everything like that. So just face the window. You will always feel better. Um, take a lot of photos. We're not shooting on film anymore, so we don't have to limit ourselves. If you're going to feel better by having a million photos taken and then sifting through, go for it. You have no limits on how many images you can take. That being said, be kind to yourself and ask your friends and families what they think looks good because we are often the most critical of ourselves. And I find this with my clients often a lot of the time is images that I think they look really good in and I can really see their spirit and their light in the image. They will look at that and something in their, something in their ego will tell them they look bad. It's really hard, but if you can ignore that voice in your head that's saying it looks bad and listen to the people around you who say, you look so beautiful in that shot. That is a really beautiful image. You should use it. That is the one to listen to. Listen to the people around you who are telling you it's a beautiful shot and you will have a lot more imagery if you yeah. can do that. Yeah. Almost um, and then someone to choose your images for you, right? <laughs> Just yeah. take a whole bunch and then get someone else to choose them. Yeah. And then in terms of like asking your partner or for example, to take your images, just literally set the shot up for them, do everything for them, test it with them in the frame if you need to, and then just show them exactly what you want them to do. I think one of the frustrations a lot of people have is that their partners can't understand what they want them to do. So take the time to show them, set it all up, and then have them take a million images. Just encourage them to just go wild with that thing. And the biggest key I will give you is to keep moving. Don't a lot of people get in front of a camera and they freeze. They suddenly stop moving. And it's like, if you have a million shots of you in the same pose and you don't like it, you're not going to get any images out of it. So every time that button gets pressed, move. It doesn't have to be a lot of movement. It can be really subtle, like moving your head from side to side, up and down, shifting your shoulders around, lifting your shoulders up, putting them down, moving a hand across, moving a hand to the other side of your leg, bringing your knees up. Just keep moving and you will A, find angles that you like that you can keep doing over and over again. And you will find unexpected images that you didn't expect you were going to like in there as well. That's so powerful. I love that. I love that so much. I, I'm one of the, I honestly am so guilty of not moving enough. And I'm also so guilty of yelling at George because he didn't, he didn't <laughs> conceptualize, like he didn't get what I was trying to come up with, but I didn't show him either. <laughs> um, one quick question I want to ask you before, you know, you share with us all of the amazing things that you are doing is I saw on your Instagram, cause it just came to my mind then when you were talking about obviously facing the light and, you know, us getting really critical of all the, you know, the bumps, the lines, the shadows and things like that. But I did see you on your Instagram um, 
I think it was last week talking about like trying not to use filters as much, obviously mm. days and, and things for that. Like, what are your thoughts around that? Like as a photographer in particular, someone who's, I'm sure, you know, what you work in an industry where like Photoshop is such a big thing and now working online where filters are such a big thing. Like, do you have yeah. any thoughts to share, I guess, maybe on the self-love side of things with an, like all of the things that are kind of, I don't know, like making us feel bad about ourselves, I guess. It's really hard. And as someone who knows how much retouching goes into large campaign images, I still get affected by it as well. And I can do all those things because I've been taught how to, and I still get impacted. So if it's going to help you to go on YouTube and literally look at a few videos of how they retouch people, like the most beautiful models in the world get retouched to the end of their lives. Go and have a look at that and just understand that what you're looking at in most of the adverts you're seeing are not real. That will A, help you re- to in, like grain yourself into reality. But also, um, I personally don't retouch my imagery a lot. I remove like spots and the things that and no one wants to see, like no one wants to have a spot on their face. Yeah, um, but that's not always there. It's not like a, you know, it can exactly. be there one day and not be there the next. Exactly. So my theory is, remove things that would not normally be there, leave everything else that would be. It's not easy. I'm not, I don't necessarily have a solution or a response to how we deal with it. It's very prevalent in the industry still. And there are different people who have different opinions on the standards. Retouching has been happening since the dawn of time. I mean, I shared an image the other day of a old Hollywood glamour shot, black and white taken in the forties. And it was airbrushed because that's what they used to do. So all those beautiful old Hollywood images that we see and we think, oh my God, they looked so beautiful. How did they look so beautiful? They did look beautiful, but they were also retouched because they were just using older techniques and it wasn't on Photoshop and it wasn't documented on YouTube. So retouching has been there forever. We've just become more aware of it now. Um, But I think that awareness is really, really important and educating your children. If you have children, showing them, you know, what the before and afters of things are and explaining. But I think there is a movement happening and there is more and more stuff happening without retouching. I'm seeing more brands promote that they don't want to have retouching. I have a lot of clients who hire me specifically because they don't want their images retouched. They want to keep everything raw and real. In terms of the filters on Instagram, that is something I personally find really difficult as well. I think that we, we are getting so used to putting a filter on our face that we're not able to love what we just have naturally. But if it helps you do the same tips that came to taking the photos is the same things apply to like doing Instagram stories, for example, face a window. That is so key. If you have your back to a window or at a side of a window, you're going to look not as nice and not as beautiful as if you face that window and get your face fully immersed in light. So if you can face windows, you're going to feel much better. That's such a good tip because honestly, like even myself, I absolutely get caught up with the filters. You know, there's one where it was like, should I get like my face reconstructed? But (laughs) no, you know, I would never obviously, but you do have those thoughts where it's like, Oh, hello. Um, But also I think the thing is as well, why this so addictive for me in particular is because I feel like, and maybe you can shed some light on this. Like when I look at myself in the mirror, it looks completely different to like when I take a picture of myself on my phone, I think I look much better in the mirror when I'm looking at myself versus, Mm -hmm. and I know obviously the iPhone front camera flips an image as well. So you're looking at yourself Mm -hmm. like backwards, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's personally for me anyway, why, and I try to only use ones that change the color. I don't try to you know, do yeah. ones that change the actual face, but even all the ones that change the color, they smooth your skin, you know? So yeah. for me anyway, that's why they're so addictive, but you're right. I don't know what the answer is either, but it's, it's an interesting thing. It's very difficult. And I have no idea what, what the, what the future is going to look like with that. But, um, if it helps you to get online, that's also one thing I'm like, you know what, if it makes me feel better when I'm having a bad makeup day or I'm not feeling so good about myself, and I want to still show up online. And it's, I, if I use a filter and that's going to help me do that, sometimes you have to do that. Yeah. But on days where I'm feeling good about myself and I'm like, cool, my makeup looks great. My skin is looking glowy. I'm, I'm not going to use one. Like I'm yeah. going to make sure that I, yeah, it's balance. Definitely balance. Yeah. I love it. 
Oh my gosh, I loved this. I just realized the time and I could honestly talk for ages. I feel like we could dig into so many more of these topics <laughs> as well. Thank you so much for being like really vulnerable and sharing that. I know we hadn't planned to obviously talk about mental health or anything, mm-hmm. um, but I really appreciate it. And I know the audience is going to appreciate that as well because it is really real. It, like mm. all of the things that we've spoken about are so real. Um, but tell us like what is going on with you. You obviously have a really exciting launch happening, but also where mm-hmm. can you find you online so the best place to come and find me is at olivia bossert on instagram i'm literally about 10 people away from 10k so Yay. come on over guys <laughs> i'm sure you'll actually be this is going out on monday so i think you'll be there by then anyway <laughs> hopefully hopefully <laughs> if not um, everyone go <laughs> yeah. um and then my website for my portfolio is oliviabossert.com and then if anyone's listening wants to learn more about like the education side of things it's olivia bossert education the day this goes out, I'm teaching a free masterclass all about how to create consistent income as a fashion photographer. So that's going to be really exciting. It's at 6 p.m. UK time. And then my the doors to my course about pitching, Pitching with Confidence, opens up on Monday, the 19th of October as well. And they will be open until Saturday that week. So I'm really excited to welcome some more people on the course. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, this was amazing. I will definitely have to have you again when I come to the UK and we do my photo shoot. We will sit down and do part two. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, lovely. I don't know about you, but that interview inspired the hell out of me. Just listening back to it now, we dug into so much. And really, the biggest takeaway for me, the biggest takeaway for me was when Olivia said, What if they say yes? Funnily enough, just before recording the intro and outro of this podcast, I did a little training within my Game Changer Collective membership all about how to host a good interview. And one of the questions that came up was, you know, how do you actually get guests on? And I hope this episode inspired you to just put yourself out there. Yes, it is a huge possibility that when you pitch yourself, whether for collaborations, interviews, or whatever, that you will get a rejection, that you will get a no, that you will get just a non-response. But what if someone does say yes? And I know from personal experience with clients in the past that it can just take a few really good opportunities to really start building up momentum for the growth of your audience. I had a client in one of my first group coaching programs who was able to secure a few quite big collaborations of getting quite big influences on her podcast, and it really did help to increase her visibility. But she would never have got that opportunity if of course she just didn't ask in the first place. So please, please, please start to believe in yourself. Start to work through any of those limiting beliefs that tell you that you cannot do it because you can. You've just got to try. All right, make sure you reach out to Olivia. She's so sweet. She is so amazing. She's so knowledgeable with all of this stuff, specifically if you are a photographer and you want to learn about the business of photography. Olivia is the girl the woman, the guru for you. So definitely, definitely go check her out. But everybody else, still check her out because she's got some incredible content on her Instagram that is relevant for any entrepreneur. That is it for me. I so appreciate your time. Like I said in the beginning, please screenshot this, pop it onto your Instagram stories, tag us both so we can see that you are hanging out with us today. I really appreciate your time and I will see you in the next episode. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.